All right, Anderson, thank you very much. I'll be seeing you tomorrow night. Tonight, I'm on right now. Welcome to primetime. I'm Chris Cuomo. We'll also be on from midnight to 2 a.m. and on Saturday night from 10 o'clock until midnight. Obviously, all hands on deck as we try to get our hands around what's happening with the president, what it means for him, what it means uh, for our government, because it seems uh, that a lot of people are getting sick and we're trying to figure out where and why and how that can be hemmed in. So the big headline is President Trump hospitalized for COVID-19. We saw the president walking on his own two feet to Marine One on his way to Walter Reed tonight and then deboarding shortly after waves to reporters. But we also know some of the details of his condition, his personal disposition and some treatment that they're trying. And all of that raises many more concerns than the president did with this message. I want to thank everybody for the tremendous support. I'm going to Walter Reed Hospital. I think I'm doing very well, but we're going to make sure that things work out. The First Lady is doing very well. So uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I will never forget it. Thank you. Now, this is a time that uh, benefits from no drama, but this is no simple matter of being asymptomatic. The president has a very winnable battle, but a battle on his hands nonetheless. COVID doesn't just disappear. Now, we will discuss what the White House is telling us because the timeline, the sequence of events doesn't make sense. Even taken at their word, they really didn't test the president for a day after finding out about Hope Hicks. And what if Hicks didn't give it to him? That is becoming increasingly likely. A central concern is the Rose Garden event Saturday for Judge Amy Coney Barrett. A number of people who were there have now tested positive, including two senators, Republicans, on the Senate Judiciary Committee, obviously fundamental uh, to her nomination. And what did we see there? Some masks, many without, very tight together, exactly what you're not supposed to do. So if this was the event, not Hope Hicks, that's a long time. That was last Saturday. How many more people were exposed? How many more did the president expose? How big a circle are they drawing around the president and this event for contact tracing? And of course, all of this was kept secret. You heard nothing about that Saturday event, nothing about anybody who tested positive after it. And you didn't even hear until 24 hours after they knew about Hope Hicks and not from the White House. We found it out. Bloomberg and then CNN. That secrecy may have carried a price of more cases. Now, look, I'm sorry the president and his wife and others are sick. It is made worse by the fact that it did not have to happen. Please stop listening to these people on state TV and elsewhere who say, you know, he was refusing to hide. He's out there doing the thing, holding rallies. These people are poisoning you. Those rallies were a mistake. That Rose Garden event was a mistake. It could have been a super spreader event. We'll show you how many people got sick who were there. Is that a coincidence? Can't be. Likely those events, we're not sure which one yet, but that's how the president got sick, being unmasked around crowds. And yet in doing so, there is one point to keep in perspective. In being sick and sick enough to have symptoms and sick enough to need experimental treatment and sick enough to go to the hospital, Trump is finally relaying a message we have needed from him for months. COVID-19 is real. It is dangerous. Not wearing masks is a mistake. 
crowding into places is a mistake. I hope everyone gets the point now. We have paid a high enough price. Yes, this president told you the virus will just go away. That's mostly political hype, that it affects almost no one. Well, now he, the most important leader we have at the most critical time, has it. He is the strongest evidence that everything he told you is false. Tonight, we have new insight into why he is receiving the treatment that he is. It is experimental. Does that mean this is risky for the commander in chief? Does it mean this is something dire? Is he in worse shape? Does it mean that at all? We have the scientist who heads the company that developed the experimental drug. He will take us through it. We also can't hide from the questions that the president's quick turn from positive to the hospital presents about the continuity of government. There has been no transfer of power to the VP, Mike Pence. The White House says President Trump remains in charge of the country. What does his battle mean for the upcoming election, for our national security? Let's start with the latest on the president from Caitlin Collins, live at the White House. What do we know? Well, all eyes are now turning to this event just about a week ago now, honoring the Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, at the White House, which, as you were just showing those pictures, picture is now looking back at knowing the president's diagnosis, knowing the diagnosis of the first lady and Hope Hicks. It makes them all the more striking, Chris, to see all of these powerful people packed into the Rose Garden, not wearing masks, not social distancing, and then to see the images that played out after of these people like Senator Mike Lee, who of course now has tested positive for coronavirus and sits on the Senate Judiciary Committee and actually met with Amy Coney Barrett on Tuesday, though we should note the Supreme Court nominee, according to our reporting, has already Already had coronavirus so there are questions about how long the immunity lasts once you have had it but we do know that she did already contract the virus over the summer obviously recovered from it but now of course we're learning about a second senator who has tested positive who was at that event another senator who is also on the Senate Judiciary Committee that will decide whether or not Amy Cody Barrett is the next Supreme Court nominee and that's Tom Tillis of North Carolina who of course is locked in a very heated battle to maintain his seat in that state and it just really raises so many questions because not only are you seeing these powerful lawmakers test positive, but you see all of these other people who are also in these critical positions, people like the Attorney General Bill Barr, who were at this event not wearing masks and have, of course, the question is whether or not they were at risk or exposed by being at an event like this one that you saw in the Rose Garden just a week ago. Right. And now it raises a lot of questions. If that was the super spreader event, uh, that was the event, the Rose Garden event. It's a lot of time uh, since then, you know, and what have they been developing with testing? What did they not tell us? One of the problems with this White House, you know, the price of not being transparent and not telling the truth is that when we need to believe you in a moment like this, it's hard to do so. Uh, Caitlin, do me a favor, stand by, jump in with what anything that you have that we need to know. And I appreciate you being there for us tonight. Let's bring in Dr. Sanjay Gupta, Miles Taylor, okay, former chief of staff to Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen, and Mike Schmidt. Uh, he's a reporter from the New York Times, author of Donald Trump v. the United States, Inside the Struggle to Stop a President. Um, Brother Schmidt, let me start with you. What the White House is telling us doesn't seem to line up. Hope Hicks gets it Wednesday. They test her in the morning. She was fine. They say at night she wasn't. What does that mean? Did they have testing protocols on hand at an event? Well, then we quarantined her. You put her on the same plane with the president and you didn't test him until 24 hours later? And now we find out about the judge event on Saturday where all these other people are getting sick, where, where the president was. I mean, what are you piecing together in terms of, you know, what they really know about how this happened? 
Well, and I, even the moderator of the debate, Chris Wallace, talking today about how there was no, didn't seem like there was any testing that had been followed as the president arrived about whether the president, questions about whether the president himself had been tested. The, look, the White House has not been forthcoming about a lot of different things. That's not a news story. But especially on the president's health, they haven't always been transparent. And one of the biggest questions arises from the president's last trip to Walter Reed in November of 2019, in the middle of impeachment. On that visit, the president was said he was trying to be there in order to start his yearly physical on a Saturday afternoon. What what we know is that that was a curious sort of answer, and that was not the full story. So when the White House is not provided a full story in the past about such an important issue like the president's health, it's hard to take them seriously when Chief of Staff Meadows goes out today and says this morning the president's having mild symptoms. With no mask. Uh, and Meadows was at that uh, judge event on Saturday also, by the way. Comes out to brief the press. Even after all this, no mask. Uh, let me throw you a curveball, though, Schmidt. The idea that uh, maybe something from Walter Reed was relevant in the last meeting. Well, then why would they have waited to test him? Surely they know why he went to Walter Reed on that Saturday afternoon. If they had reason to be concerned about his health and more than his public, wouldn't they have tested him sooner? Well, look, I, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like they have had strict rigor around this issue. Obviously, the Saturday event at the White House that we saw with the nomination of the judge was a clear example of that. There was no social distance being practiced. People were not wearing masks. That goes against all the guidelines. But if you're talking about the Walter Reed visit, and as I report in my book, Mike Pence was put on alert mm -hmm. when the president was going there that he may have to take over the powers of the presidency because they may have to put the president under anesthesia. And that is not something that happens on a normal visit. So you have the president again today going to Walter Reed. We have some information from the White House, but how, but what is really going on? And can we trust that information? Uh, Sanjay, uh, on the point of, uh, well, I need you for a lot actually tonight, but let's do some reporting first informationally. Uh, also interesting who you and I have both learned don't really know anything about the president's condition, which is members of the task force. What are you hearing? Yeah, no, I, that's exactly what I'm hearing. You know, it was it was one of those things where as we were trying to report on this throughout the day since one o'clock in the morning last night, it was a question of who knows what. Uh, the coronavirus task force made up of some of the, the, the frankly, the world's experts on this disease, um, the people that you'd probably call, you know, for the president under any other situation. And there they are part of the task force and they are in the dark as I was told, uh, watching things unfold on television like everyone else. So that was surprising to me, Chris, because we were trying to gather information. Very few people uh, knew what was going on at that point. Now, um, Sanjay, as you very well know, even somebody the president's age with all his different specs, uh, it would be very rare for them to go from, oh yeah, I don't feel great, I'm not asymptomatic, and I got a positive test, to the hospital and an experimental treatment. Now, how much of this do you believe is reflective of his condition? Because we saw him walking in a suit um, versus him being the president and you throw everything you can at the one commander in chief you have. 
Yeah, that, that, that's a really good point, Chris. I mean, I, I think clearly there was uh, some sort of decline today. You know, he had he was doing well in the morning, then it was minor symptoms, then it was moderate symptoms. He had fever. Uh, they did, you know, pursue this uh, this very experimental therapy, uh, which I think also gives some indication that there was a heightened level of concern. But you're right. We heard the president uh, give that little talk before he walked out under the helicopter. He was walking, obviously, of his own volition uh, to the chopper. So he, he, he didn't look bad, uh, certainly, you know, just from a from a, uh, a health standpoint at that point. But there was concern here, Chris. And the thing about this virus, uh, you know, if, if you were talking to people, you know that if someone is starting to decline, you know better than anyone, your oxygen saturations are dropping a bit. You may not even recognize it yourself. That's the sort of thing that can go sideways on you in a hurry. And that's part of the reason I think maybe uh, he and his team wanted him at the hospital. Not necessarily that they were gonna do any kind of aggressive treatments, but close to an ICU should he need it, close to a CT scanner should he need it. Uh, so it's both, it's an abundance of caution, but also in, in, in a sort of response to what seems to have been a progression of symptoms. Right, it's a balancing test for them, right? Uh, on the one side, you know, hospitals, we know that a little bit of it is mythology. People are afraid of going to the hospital and, um, you know, because you may pick something else in there and you're already immune compromised because you're sick, but you balance that with, God forbid, even something as simple as hydration. You know, that we need to get them more fluids, bam, you got an IV uh, nice and easy right there under the right conditions. Uh, anything else you might need is right there. You don't have to travel, you don't have to build that in. So it could be just a practicality, what they're calling an abundance of caution. Uh, but him taking a drug from Regeneron, uh, Sanjay, is not abundance of caution. You know, nobody else is doing that. No, it, it's, it's, it's not. And, and, you know, this isn't even a medication that has emergency use authorization. That's how new it is. Uh, this was given under compassionate use. And, you know, people have heard the term compassionate use. It's usually because, look, I got no, I got no other options. Patient is in the hospital, not going to make it. That's when usually compassionate mm -hmm. use provisions come in. This is obviously not the case here. And yet, again, it speaks to this level of, of concern. I know you're going to be talking to the scientists behind that medication later on. I'd be curious, what was the sort of, you know, the, the promise, if you will? If we're going to give you this medication, what is it that we hope it's going to do for you? I wonder if, if they told the president that or if the president was told that by somebody. Uh, that's a good question. In fact, <clears throat> I'm going to ask it, Sanjay. So, Miles, uh, one of the things that I'd love your head on coming from Homeland Security is, you know, in a, in a simple scenario, we hear gunfire, you grab the president, you put him on the ground, you take care of him first. We only have one. Um, here, you know people are getting sick. You know Hope Hicks is sick. They don't test him for 24 hours. That is hard to believe that either they're lying and they knew something about him earlier or isn't that reckless to wait that long when you know you have someone who is in contact with him who has it? Well, uh, you know, Chris, I'd say that this seems to me to be reflective of the sort of flippant attitude that the administration has towards the pandemic. I mean, they've been flippant about the CDC guidelines. They've derided uh, the use of masks and social distancing. And so you can see why this would be a challenge for the people who are responsible for protecting the president. You know, when there's gunfire, the Secret Service will physically overpower the president. But this is different. I mean, if uh, the president was maybe exposed to something and then he said, you know, he tells his agents or his staff, I'm going to Bedminster. It's really tough for them to say, no, we're going to force you in the car and take you home. So, look, we don't have all the information here. But what this seems like to me uh, is that they had enough information to make a good decision. And instead, they decided to make a bad decision because this White House hasn't been as cautious as they should be about this. You know, what, what Sanjay was just saying about Walter Reed was also striking to me.
because this very well could be uh, them taking the president there out of an abundance of caution. And I don't want to be an alarmist. But I also I, I create the analogy here to if there's a national security challenge, when there's a national security challenge, we walk the president downstairs to the White House Situation Room to connect him uh, to senior leaders to talk through that. But if there's a national security crisis, sometimes you remove the president from Washington, D.C., and you take him to secure facilities outside of Washington. This sort of feels like that escalation. There's a lot of things they could do to take care of him in the White House, but instead they've taken him out to that next level facility uh, for health purposes. That is, I think, a concern and something that we should track on. But I hope the White House will do what they should do in this circumstance, which is be as transparent with the American people as possible so that we don't get into this circle of speculation about what's going on with the president, because that in and of itself can create security challenges for our country, especially a month out from an election. Uh, Mike, pay attention to what I'm going to ask Miles right now, because I, I think you're going to be able to fill in even some more once he gives us a basic understanding. Um, so how you draw the circle around this president matters in this situation, situation, Miles. It's not going to be just the task force, obviously, from Sanjay's reporting. They're not even involved, apparently. But in terms of how many people you have to track down right now uh, and figure it out, it is looking logically like that Saturday event was a bigger issue than Hope Hicks, right? Because it can't be that you got Tillis and Lee, you know, are sick from there and the president was there too. Um, but we're only focused on Hope Hicks. For all we know, he gave it to Hope Hicks. She didn't give it to him. So mm -hmm. how aggressive would they be uh, in drawing that circle of getting as many people as possible so that you don't have it continue to spread? So I think they are. I mean, for, by all accounts, they seem to be very aggressive right now about the contact tracing. But here is the big point, Chris, and that is if the president of the United States has been involved with some super spreader event, you've got to think that that's not an accident. That points towards a systematic problem with uh, how the president is being protected. Now, I, you know, look, I used to help oversee the Secret Service. Uh, I highly doubt it's because the Secret Service hasn't been following protocol. What, again, seems more likely to me is that the people around the president, up to and including the president himself, have not necessarily been following these guidelines. In fact, 48 hours ago, in, in some ways, they were mocking Joe Biden uh, for adhering very right. strictly to these guidelines. That's really important to note. Now, so, Mike, I want you to listen to that because it, it seems kind of sketchy what I'm hearing about how aggressively they're going after this. You know, I've talked to a couple of people who were at that event who were on their own in terms of getting tested and figuring it out, and they're pretty close to the president. I mean, I, I hate to be skeptical about this, but this White House has obviously always been focused on one person, and that's the president. The president has this. So I'm not that surprised to hear that they haven't gone back to figure out who else he may have infected or who else may have been around him or what has come of those events. These people around the president are there because they believe in him more so than anyone else. The Miles Taylors of the world are gone. These people around him are, are part of this culture of this president and have basically given their lives to to dedicate to him. So am I surprised that they haven't gone back and figured out whether the person sitting in the third or the fourth row at this nomination ceremony may have, you know, had it or come in contact with? No, no, I'm not. I'm sure they're just focused on the president and how sick he is and what that means and trying to manage that situation. Right. I mean, obviously, well, well, Sanjay, Chris, they told Chris, us it, nothing about it. Go ahead, Miles. If, if I can add to that point, so so my earlier point was it sounds like they're being aggressive about the people in and around the White House, but I've got to agree with what Michael just said, because there's anecdotal reporting that people 
uh, that were at these events aren't being addressed or reached out to or taken care of. And there's a question, were their phone numbers gathered? Are they able to get back in touch with these people? That's really important. But one other thing that I think is notable when it comes to the White House's response, I was texting today with a senior national security official who should be in the loop when it comes to these situations where the president's ill. This person said, quote, I have no idea what's going on. Okay, the president's senior national security officials need to be kept up to date in real time about his condition. They don't need to tell me about his condition, but they at least need to say, yes, I've got the confidence. I'm being kept abreast of everything that's happening because if something should go wrong, these are the people who need to be in charge. Sanjay, two more points. Why, why? One is, hold on, I'll come back well, to you, Mike. Give me one second. I just want to get some context for people about what needs to be done right now, which is, one, you've got to get everybody who was at that event with Judge Amy Coney Barrett, right? I mean, all of them have to be quarantining themselves. And I guess you could be as light as, if you feel any symptoms, then you need to get tested, but they have to quarantine, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that, is, the, that is the CDC guidelines and they're not equivocal. I mean, they're, they're very clear on this. If you've had exposure to someone with COVID and it's a, considered a close contact within six feet for longer than 15 minutes without masks, uh, that's a close contact. You need to be quarantined. And that's irrespective of whether or not you've had a test that comes back negative. Because as you well know, I mean, you can... You can have an exposure test negative for several days and then test positive. So yeah, we that, know, that is that's what happened case, with me. But, uh, you know, I, I tested negative. Right. I thought I had you a sinus that. infection and then it got worse. And the next day and then the day after that, I got tested again and I had it. And then the day after that, I got the rigors and I had that 101 fever that lasted 17 days. So remember, that's what makes me curious about this is that the doctor, get, they don't test him for 24 hours, they say, after Hope Hicks. Right. Then he gets a positive right away. It seems more likely that you wouldn't get it that fast, 24 hours after being around someone like that. You could, but Saturday would make more sense. And since Saturday, he's been all over the place from golf to debate prep to fundraisers and the debate itself and all of the people. And who knows who's been with him through all of these things. I mean, it just sounds like there's a degree of recklessness here, Sanjay. Yeah, the, 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 I think, first of all, you're right in terms of just the viral dynamics. I mean, it, it, they're typically the lag time between exposure and testing positive, four or five days. You're right. It'd be very unusual to be exposed and immediately test positive. You've got to build up enough virus to actually be detectable in the system. We, we actually looked at sort of the contact tracing possibilities with the president over that time period. Uh, five states, Washington, D.C., and thousands of people potentially that he came in contact with. It's, it's not clear how many of those would be considered close contacts, but there's a lot. During that same time period, usually during this, uh, during this COVID time, people have a, an average of 35 contacts. So it's, it's way, way out of proportion. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right, there's probably a significant amount of time where he may have been you know, contagious. People tend to be most contagious even before they develop symptoms. So it's a, it's, a, it's a huge concern and a laborious task to go back now and find those people and make sure that they get quarantined so they don't continue to spread. What are the next two, three steps that we're looking forward uh, to with this president? W- within the hospital? Yeah, right hopefully now, getting we, out. You know, it's, it's, it's still not, yeah, I mean, they say he's going to be in there for a few days, uh, you know, so far, which was, you know, something that was uh, surprising to sort of put a time limit on it. You know, it was clearly is not going to be something that's a quick visit. We don't know. You know, my guess is part of the reason he went to the hospital, you can get more advanced imaging there, such as a CT scan of the chest, see what's going on with his lungs. 
uh, see if he's going to be a candidate for any of these other therapies should he need them. And I think he's in close proximity of the intensive care unit. You know, hopefully he doesn't need to be there, but I think that's another reason. You don't want to do a rapid transport of someone from a residence straight to the intensive care unit. That can be really dicey and tough to do. So, you know, you remember with Boris Johnson, he mm -hmm. had the virus, he thought he was doing fine. Five days later, he's in the hospital and spends three days in the ICU. So I think that there's, there's some lessons in there. If you want to be in the right place, the right position, in case something starts to really uh, go sideways for the president. Again, he's had some progression of symptoms today. Hopefully he just recovers, stabilizes, and go home in a few days. But if not, he's in the right place now. Walter Reed, that was the right call. Now, we've heard about this Regeneron um, experimental uh, drug, this set of antibodies that he was given, Michael. We haven't uh, heard about hydroxychloroquine being given to him. It'll be interesting to see if they release that kind of information. You would think they would, seeing how he was such a big booster of it. But what was your take that you had? No, I'm just saying, like, why are we surprised with three months to go in this first term? Why are we surprised that they're not following it by the book? The president mocks people that do it by the book. He mocked Joe Biden at the debate for wearing a mask. So now at this critical juncture where the president is sick and all the attention is on the White House about this crucial event, a historic event in American history, we should not be surprised that they're not following a playbook, a playbook they have mocked throughout the, the coronavirus and throughout the whole presidency. You know, you know why it is surprising to me? Him getting coronavirus, and God willing, he, you know, he gets better, is the worst possible thing that could happen to him politically. Forget about personally and, and physically and him having to deal with his wife being sick. And thankfully, so far, his son is fine. Uh, I hear the whole family is fine from what we hear. I hope it stays that way. But this is the worst thing that could happen to him politically. So you would think they would have been doing everything they could to keep him from getting sick, Michael. Look, eh. I just I just don't think, you know, you can't uh, teach, a, you know, an old, old dog new tricks. And they have behaved in a certain way from the beginning. I mean, almost part of the campaign was running against Washington. And then when when the president came in, he took it on and tried to bend it to his way in a way that we had never seen from any previous president. And my guess is that they had gotten this far in the virus they had, you know, gone out, traveled around the country, done all sorts of things. My sense is that you, people who, you know, can survive over that period of time get a little lax with how they follow procedures. And, you know, they thought that they would be OK. And this virus is just showing what a force it is and, and how profound an impact it can have on every single part of this country. You know, it'd be interesting. We're showing a picture. I think that's live picture. Is it? Tell me in the control room flip if it is um, from people outside Walter Reed Medical Center showing support for the president. It'd be interesting, uh, Flip, if you can figure out if they have masks on. I wonder if this new new reality has started to resonate. Do we know? Hmm. All right. So they'll check. Uh, Sanjay, what is a monoclonal antibody cocktail? So they, these are, you know, antibodies are the types of cells that the body creates in response to either uh, being infected with the virus or in response to a vaccine. They're sort of your fighter cells. They help fight the virus uh, if it ever sees it again. Um, one way to get them again is through the vaccine. Another way is to just give someone antibodies. Uh, so convalescent plasma, which you and I talked about, that's taking people's plasma and grabbing antibodies from that. 
This is different. This is basically saying we've, we've sort of figured out some of the gold standard antibodies. We're gonna clone them over and over again, a couple of them, and create this cocktail. And so you're giving it to someone to essentially create what is known as passive immunity. Uh, if someone, if someone's fighting the infection, you give them more of these uh, virus-fighting cells, maybe it can help overwhelm the, the virus and, and help your recovery. Again, it's, it's really early data on this. It's 275 patients in this trial. Uh, we didn't even really get to see that data. Um, but what they, sh what they tell us they saw was um, a shortening of symptoms, duration of symptoms, and a quicker sort of um, uh, clearing of the viral load in the nose and the mouth. Mm. What that means for the president, we don't know. Again, that's the question I think you, you know, hopefully you'll ask uh, later on today on the show. But, but the, I, I, was, I was surprised. They say, hey, look, you know, um, president's doing great, but we are going to try an experimental therapy that is not even authorized under emergency use yet. That's how early it is. We're gonna do it under compassionate use. To me, that still says, that, that was, that was a, a very interesting development because I think it spoke, imagine the conversations that were going on in the White House to basically arrive at that decision. Yeah. Uh, there, there was concern. All right, Sanjay, as always, thank you. Miles, Taylor, Michael, thank Schmidt, you. thank you. You were the perfect guests to help us round out our understanding of where we are. God willing, we'll all get to a better place. And soon, uh, the word on the people uh, who are supporting Trump there in front of the hospital, uh, about half and half with masks. And with what I've seen with uh, his rallies and stuff in the past, that's better than usual. So let's take progress where we find it. Uh, we have much more to come. Uh, we're going to take a look at perspective of what do we do in moments of crisis like this where our president is potentially compromised. One of my mentors uh, shepherded the country through what happened to President Reagan. He was there on scene when it happened. Uh, and we will get the perspective of Sam Donaldson. We will bring in the scientist responsible at Regeneron for this experimental drug that the president was just given. We'll get information about what that means as well. All ahead. All right. The breaking news is that President Trump was hospitalized tonight for coronavirus less than 24 hours after sharing the news with the world. As I alluded to earlier, he's been given a single eight gram dose. Now, that is a higher dose of what you could use with this unproven drug. So he's taking an experimental drug and he's taking the highest dose available for this antibody cocktail that Sanjay was just talking to us about, made by a biotech company called Regeneron. The treatment is currently being tested among a trial of outpatients with COVID-19. Regeneron's CEO is Leonard Schleifer, and he joins us now. Thank you, sir. Good to be here, Chris. Hope you're well. Thank you. Uh, you are a reason that I am well. Full disclosure, uh, I know Len. Uh, we got in contact with each other when I was sick. He was extremely helpful in telling me how the virus progresses and what I should expect and how long things can take. And it was uh, very, very helpful to me. So, Len, thank you. You didn't give me any experimental cocktail. Maybe I would have spent half the time being sick, but that's all right. I'll deal with you later on that. Um, how did this happen, uh, Len, that the White House, uh, the president wound up getting this drug? Well, so, our, as you know, first of all, let me say thanks for having us on. And I really want to say on behalf of all the hardworking scientists in, New in our New York and around the world facilities who are working through this pandemic, uh, that uh, they hope that their hard work will pay off, that many people, including the president, will uh, get well because of their work uh, in our medicines. Um, 
So the, the way this works is we're studying this as an experimental drug. That means we're in controlled trials, which means we're testing it versus placebo, and we're trying to learn about it, and we're trying to figure out how good the evidence is. And we released the, the initial batch of evidence, and it was pretty strong. This came out Tuesday. I assume that the White House has its experts um, and that they saw our information. They read about it. Uh, they knew that monoclonal antibodies make sense. We can talk about why in a second. Uh, and they wanted to try it under a certain provision in the FDA that if you're not in a clinical trial, you can get what is called compassionate use. It's really a single patient experiment. Compassionate uh, use, Len, just so people understand. Usually that context comes up in somebody's in a bad way. Uh, there's nothing left to do for them. So you use something that's not really intended for this or, you know, isn't certified yet or approved, but you do it under compassionate use because, you know, they don't have any other options. Now, that isn't this case. So why was it compassionate use? Well, compassionate use is just the, is the jargon. The actual term, it's a single patient investigation. Um, and when it's appropriate in a disease, which fortunately it's not, he's not seriously ill now. He's not on a respirator. His life is not threatened from what we know from the, from the outside. And I hear the same news that you hear. Um, but he is a patient who was at risk and they felt that uh, they wanted to tilt the odds a little bit more in his favor by potentially using our drug. Remember what's going on, Chris. And we talked about this when you were sick. This is a race. It's a race between the virus and your immune system. And the virus has a head start because you didn't even know the race came about, boom, all of a sudden you've got that virus going and it's starting to win the race. The immune system is trying to catch up. And if the immune system does catch up and kills the virus, then all is good. If the immune system doesn't catch up and the virus wins, bad things happen to people. And that's what happened to a lot of people in this, in this country, unfortunately, with hundreds of thousands of people and more around the globe, the virus won the race. Most of the time, the virus loses the race. But what we found is that we can help the patient's immune system win the race by basically giving them an immune response in a vial. We're giving actual antibodies. And, and I was listening, Sanjay had it almost right, and he's fabulous and he covers so many different areas. Uh, this is, these are proteins, they're not cells we're giving. They're monoclonal antibodies, they're proteins whose job it is in a very specific way to glom onto that virus and help your body win the race. Um, and people felt um, that this was a reasonable thing to try uh, and they applied for permission from the FDA to do so and they received it and we were happy to supply the product and we hope it helps. Why the highest dose and what's the downside? Well, you, that's a great question. You know, as a physician, I would say, you know, we all took the Hippocratic Oath, which is do no harm. The wonderful thing about monoclonal antibodies is that as a class, they are one of the safest classes of drugs in the world. We market one for uh, a drug called Dupixin, which it markets for atopic dermatitis and for the treatment of asthma and nasal polyps. And many people have them for rheumatoid arthritis and psoriasis. These are very safe class of drugs. And then you test specifically whether the drug for the, what you're trying to treat is safe. And safe, safe, safe is the first thing. We have lots of evidence from animal studies, primate studies, and thousands of patients now enrolled in our trial that this drug class and this specific cocktail appears safe. What about so the we dose? Felt good. It was safe at the highest dose that we tried. So that's why we felt comfortable. 
And we didn't have enough information to know if the higher dose was better than the lower dose, but you'd like to give the higher dose as long as you don't have safety issues. And we had no safety issues. That's why giving the higher dose, I think, made sense. So Dr. John Mellors, head of infectious diseases at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, says this. Why would you give the president of the United States an experimental therapy that could make things worse? Why would you do that? Why would you give the president of the United States an experimental medicine that is unproven and could cause more severe illness? Right. Well, Dr. Mellors is a well-known infectious disease expert, and uh, he's skeptical. And you know what? That's good. Scientists need to be skeptical. That's our stock and trade. But there comes a point where skepticism has to give way to pragmatism when we're in a pandemic. If we have the luxury of waiting and seeing and nobody's dying or nobody might get very sick or nobody's at high risk, well, then, you know, you can sit back and wait for all the data to come in. When you, and, and by the way, he's not the first person uh, that we have tried the drug in, in a compassionate way. Um, we do this in a rare, exceptional manner, and we've done it before, but we, were, uh, we felt that it was appropriate to do it for the uh, president. Well, you get what the concern is, Len. We only have one president, and yes. he is not to be a guinea pig uh, under any circumstances, let alone COVID, when, you know, yes. by your own reckoning, he's not an extremist. Right. Well, let me just say this, Chris. Everybody that I've spoken with, any credible scientist, credible physician, people who understand immunology, who understand this class of drugs, who've lived and worked, and we've brought forward about half a dozen or eight already of this kind of drug which we're developing or have gotten approved. If you understand it, I don't think he was being a guinea pig at all. I think it was an appropriate uh, choice when you weighed the potential benefit versus the risks. The downsides are very low here because we have not seen any safety concern. And as I said, this class of drugs is an extremely safe class. So what um, is Mellor's talking about when he says it could, it could make things worse? Well, he's giving you a theoretical, skeptical, academic approach, which is really important approach. And I, I commend him for that. But there's, when you look at the data, the risk of that is exceedingly, exceedingly low. What is the that? Um, what is the potential? What is the possibility, if not a probability? What's the worst? Well, what he's saying is that there's some potential way that you could have a bad reaction to the drug or it could make you worse. But we've seen no evidence of that. And it hasn't happened uh, in any way uh, that one would be concerned about in, in uh, thousands of patient trials. So I don't, uh, I don't think Look, nothing is safe. Crossing the street uh, isn't safe. But there comes a point where you have to be willing to take some risk for the really big potential benefit um, here, which was you might keep uh, the president from uh, really getting sick, from really uh, going uh, down uh, medically uh, and having really bad complications. Uh, I think it was a, a reasonable choice. How long until we know whether it worked? Well, we hope um, from our clinical trials that he will do well and that over the course of the next week, his symptoms will abate uh, and he'll be feeling much better. And, and that will be a good sign. If, um, if you, you know, had it available when I was sick and we were talking, would you have suggested it for me? I don't like you that much, Chris. <laughs> so I, <laughs> absolutely. I would have taken it for myself, for my wife, for my loved ones, for, for you, for friends. Um, and, you know, we actually think there's enough data that it should be considered to be available in an emergency use 
broader basis while we're still studying it in a controlled way. Those are not mutually exclusive situations. The, remember, we approved, and the FDA approved, um, on an emergency use basis, convalescent plasma. Now, because it didn't come from a drug company, everybody thinks it's better, but it's actually not. Convalescent plasma is just trying to do the same thing. It's trying to give antibodies, but it's contaminated by everything that's in someone's blood. We're giving the purest of the purest of the purest antibodies of the most specific and, and highly potent and tested to be proven, neutralizing, which are standardized, et cetera, et cetera. So I think as a class, these, uh, our drug approaches significantly makes more sense than convalescent plasma. And frankly, I think the data are stronger than that. Well, Do we have all the data we need to get, get to the end of the line? Not yet, but I think sometimes you have to make choices. And I think this was a reasonable choice. Leonard Schleifer of Regeneron, thank you very much for taking the time to explain the situation. I appreciate it. Glad you're feeling well, Chris, and it's good to talk to you. Thank you for helping to get me better. All right, we're going to go live to Walter Reed for the latest on the president next. president of the United States is hospitalized at Walter Reed Medical Center tonight after his coronavirus diagnosis. How long could he be there? They don't know. They're saying a few days, but it depends on how he does. He just was given a high dose of an experimental antibody cocktail uh, that may be able to boost his immune system and make his symptoms abate more quickly, but it's not proven. It was only uh, accepted for him as compassionate use, which is like a one-person study. Uh, we just had the head of the company who makes it on, and he says he doesn't think it's dangerous for the president to take it, but certainly it shows a degree of concern by the people taking care of the president. Now, something that's weird about that is that the members of the task force, who are some of the most foremost experts in the field of what he's suffering with, haven't been consulted reportedly. It's odd. And it plays into the optics of this and what the president's trying to control with this and the people around him. Politics shouldn't be important right now. But recent history is, it was just days ago that the president was mocking Joe Biden for being too careful in protecting himself from COVID. Now it seems that our president is sick because of his own recklessness. Maybe a super spreader event at the White House, maybe contamination from one of these rallies he was having. The White House calls his admission to Walter Reed an abundance of caution. But look, we know politically, it's a bad look for him to be there, so he wouldn't be there if there hadn't been discussion about it really being necessary. Let's discuss what all this means with a legend. My ABC News anchor, mentor, Sam Donaldson. Sam, you're on the phone. Can you hear me? Uh, I can hear you, and you can't see me, and you're blessed by the omission. <laughs> nice to see you, Chris. Not at all. One of the most interesting faces uh, in television. Everybody says it. Let me ask you, Sam, um, from the outside, him needing to go to the hospital, him taking an experimental drug, uh, him getting such a quick turnaround from turning positive to being in that situation. How does that smell to you? Well, it's an area like the Prime Minister Boris Johnson of uh, Britain. Uh, first, he was infected. They said he, then they took him to the hospital. It's just precautionary. Then, in, then suddenly we were told he's in the ICU. What's he doing in the ICU? Well, it's a little like extra oxygen, you know. It, it's always best to do it there. Fortunately for Boris Johnson, and after 3CU, and then eventually he went home, and he appears to be okay today. 
But now we know from authoritative sources in that hospital, or the people who say they've talked to them, that he was near death. He was absolutely that close to dying, and the British didn't know it. And what, whether it's in Britain or, or here in the United States or anywhere, people around high figures of power don't want to tell the truth. They're afraid the public can't take it, or they'll think the person is weak and, and that uh, lives up to the image. And so they shade the truth. And they don't understand that the public can take the truth. And it's not only good to do that, but the next time you need the public to believe you, and the public knows that you are great shooter, really needed to believe you, they will believe you. But when they get on to the fact that the truth completely and sometimes just lie, then when you need it. Well, that's certainly the case now, uh, that this White House uh, just gives you misinformation and disinformation, just straight out lies so often, even their own timeline here doesn't seem to make sense. Sam, you know, he turns positive less than 24 hours after Hope Hicks got a positive. It's very unusual with this virus uh, to have it build up viral load in you. And frankly, uh, it's a better scenario for the president's own health if it wasn't this test. He didn't get sick from Hope Hicks. He was sick before that and it was building up because if it built up this fast in his system, that's not one of the best signals. But in terms of for the election, Sam, if I still have you on the phone, um, even if he gets over this in a week, which would be remarkable, he's going to have to be found to be not contagious before he can go out on the campaign trail. This could take away the bulk of the rest of the campaign. What are the implications on that? I still have you? Well, yes, you still have me. And what we know is that any good polling yet as to how the public is actually reacting. What, except the anecdotal people who say, well, no, this it's what I think to him. And then what's happened to the country and what's happened to the campaign. We knew he was in trouble. All of national polls showed about an eight point spread in Joe Biden's favor. And then after the debate, we know that he was in deeper trouble. The bookies in Las Vegas, which had put money down on Biden, suddenly put a lot more money on Biden. So the odds had widened in his favor. So what will this do when the public examines what you've just been saying? Here is a man who was the leader of our country who told us not to wear a mask. That's not necessary. And made it clear that he thought that was kind of baby-like. And when he mocks Joe Biden for wearing a mask in big time, oh, you wear the biggest mask I've ever seen. And then unfortunately, and I say it's unfortunate, I don't wish any bad luck coming to our president. I wish good luck. I want him to recover. But then, then when it happens to him, what is the public going to think? What are people who might be on the fence about what he's been saying, the virus will go away by Easter. It's okay. Let's open up. I mean, let's get that football league going. And look what's happened. And look what happened to that Rose Garden. You keep showing what happened on Saturday, the Rose Garden. Most people there, shoulder to shoulder, no masks on. And we already know of people, prominent people, who are now down with the infection. What is he going to think? And what is his voter going to think? I don't know yet, but we're going to find out. What do you think about Joe Biden making a decision to pull negative ads? I think it's the right decision. Because? Right decision. We all, no matter which side of this terrible divide in this country we're on, want our president to be healthy and, and we want him to recover. Bet that it's not going to happen that way because talk about a terrible election situation, that would really be something that has never happened in this country. 
So uh, for his sake and for his family's sake and for our sake, he should recover. Tell us the truth. If, he, if he's in really bad shape, said folks, we're so sorry to report, but the president is in bad shape. We're doing everything we can. I wonder, Sam, if he has it in him. He wore a mask onto Marine One on his way to the hospital. You know, he probably had to because he could make other people sick there. But um, I wonder if it will change his disposition towards the virus, if he'll start saying different things. Now, the context on that, Sam, is we've never seen him in this situation before, but we have never seen him apologize or change on basically anything. Chris, I, I, hope, I hope he has changed. I hope he's on the road to his particular demand. Because he's, uh, but everything we know about Donald Trump, and I've known him 35 years, interviewed him 30 years ago, and he blew smoke about the businesses were failing. What do you know about money that you say I'm borrowed? I'll send my books. Well, maybe, and I'm still waiting for them. Yeah, keep Um, waiting. Sam Donaldson, thank you very much. I hope you're well, brother. If he changes. And I appreciate you You giving me your time as always. God bless. You too, Chris. We'll be right back. All right. Thank you for watching us for this installment of Cuomo Primetime. We'll be back on at midnight Eastern for a special live late night edition of Primetime until um, two in the morning. And then tomorrow night we'll be on Saturday night from 10 to 12. But right now, the star of the night, CNN Tonight with D. Lemon picking up the coverage. What a historic day, huh? 24 hours. Just when you think you've seen everything. My regret is, of course, the president didn't have to be in this situation. Yeah. Well... And the American people didn't either. The no, American it's people. Ve- it's a very good point. Yeah. This is not just him getting sick. This affects everybody. Yeah. We only have one president. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. I'm talking about the president and the American people. Uh, this is all about what the American people need to know. Thank you, Chris. I'll see you soon. And I'll be watching at midnight. Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max. A new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking. Call Me Country. Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash country. Max subscription required.